0: This is a Morning Radio Podcast. Welcome to the London Hat Week at Home podcast series. I'm Becky Weaver, co-founder of London Hat Week and editor-in-chief of Hat Talkie magazine. For episode 2, we are very lucky to be joined by Stephen Jones OBE. Stephen Welcome, and thank you for taking part in our podcast series.
1: I'm delighted to be here, Becky.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business?
1: So, um, yeah, I'm Milner. I I make hats, and um, I've been... This is actually the 40th year that I've been doing it. It's 40th year since I created my business. The 1st of October, 1980, that's when I opened my first little shop. It feels like 1880 as opposed to 1980. Um, so much has happened. Um, but, yeah, I make hats uh, for women, for men, for children as well, and sell around the world um, and make hats for made-to-measure, wholesale. Um, I design as a consultant as well. I work with many different big fashion companies, primarily Christian Dior, but also Mark Jacobs and Tom Brown in the USA, and uh, Comedy Garcon in Japan. So communication by, through the airwaves is something that I do because basically a FaceTime or a a, a WhatsApp call is much easier and much cheaper and much quicker than jumping on a plane. And in fact, at the moment is the only way to do things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. When did you first hear about London Hat Week?
1: I don't know, sort of ages ago. I think it was through Carol Danford, um, who I've known for a very long time since she ran the hat shop in Covent Garden in the street next to mine many, many, many years ago. And I knew that she knew about London Hatwig and Noel Stewart and various people in the business. You know, um, the world of millinery is very, very small and everybody has known um or has worked for each other too so word quickly gets around and also you know the idea of a london hat week it's it's such a great idea um and why people say why and i always say well why not
0: well thank you you first got involved officially in 2016 um, when you did an interview with hillary alexander that was that was a highlight for us when you did that um how was that for you it was great
1: i've known hillary for a long time and i know she's a great interviewer and uh it was a mad crazy occasion um uh wonderful and, and you know we call it london hat week but it should have been called european hat week or global hat Week because there were people from everywhere i mean of course there were milliners from london and milliners from the uk but There were Spanish, there were Australians, there were Russians, there were people from everywhere. And I think at the moment, you know, let's have hats unify the world. Um, in In a funny way, in the nightmare that we're living through, fashion and hats can be a wonderful sticking plaster just to make people feel a little bit better. We all know it's ridiculous, but actually sometimes the most ridiculous things are the most important.
0: I absolutely agree. I think hats bring smiles and just elevate moods. And this is definitely what we need at the moment. And I think it's happened in history before as well with hats uh, in in the world wars even. So we have a series of interviews called the LHW Headliners, and we'd like to ask you some of the questions, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. What was the first hat that you ever made?
1: But there were sort of two different hats, the, well, maybe three. The One that everybody knows about uh, is I made a hat for a lady called Shirley Hex when I first started off to become a milliner. And this hat was uh, a turquoise crepe machine pillbox, which was mounted on an old cereal packet, and it was glued on, and it had a plastic flower on it. So that was, that was how I got into the hat workroom. Um, this is the first hat i made independently was almost like a, a tick but made out of toweling with red tulle on it my first client of course was my mom <laughs> and for her i made a very proper straw hat to wear to church which was in navy blue straw in incisal parasisal um, and it had asters flowers on it which were made from cotton which were very fresh white cotton and I can't remember if it was a particular occasion for the wedding or she wore it for the races because she was absolutely a race goer as well, she went to Royal Ascot. Um, but those were the, the sort of first three hats that, but I think it's the, the one made out of turquoise crepe machine, which was an old, old um, blouse of my sister's that I, I cut up, um, with her permission I must add. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow do you have any of those hats are they still in existence
1: um no apart from the flower which was on the turquoise hat um very funny thing is that in the 60s i mean you cannot imagine it happening now sorry my phone just went bleep 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 in the way it's not supposed to <laughs> um in the 60s you couldn't imagine it now if you bought um petrol or gas from a uh, fuel station if you were a man they used to give you a free whiskey tumbler with like shell or something printed on the side like <laughs> don't drink and die uh, but if you're a woman they used to give you some plastic roses and uh, there were actually some plastic flowers that my mother had left over from the 50s or the 60s which i sprayed blue and silver to match the fabric and that's what i sewed on the hat and um, actually they are so plastic made out of hydrocarbons, I'm sure, that they were, long after we are dust, those st- still gonna look fresh <laughs> as ever, fresh as the days.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good use for, for plastic. There we go, it's a good thing to keep. What is your favorite personal style uh, of hat to wear and why?
1: I've worn so many different hats, but um, the hat that I've been wearing most over the past couple of years is a beret, um, which, funnily enough, I was looking at my student enrollment picture from when I was going to college, my first day at college in 1976, and I was also wearing a beret then, so some things don't change. <laughs> coming
0: coming back around.
1: Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love berets. Um I think they're flattering. I think they're easy to wear. Mm-hmm. I can get a lot in a suitcase or a hat box. You know, I'm not going to travel with a big brimmed hat because I can't. Sometimes I have take my hat box with me, but not always. Um, and they're very comfortable to wear and mm-hmm. they're not too much, hopefully just enough. And also I can wear them in a million different ways. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you have made hats for so many high-profile people um i mean the list is is really a very impressive and and very long uh is there anyone left on your wish list to make or choose a hat for
1: well as a brit i'd love to make a hat for her majesty the queen but rachel trevor morgan makes very very nice hats for her already so i don't think i'll mm. i'll be allowed it. <laughs> um but yes it is a challenge to make a hat for a famous person but it's a challenge just to make a hat for somebody who walks in the front door of my shop too. You know, that mm-hmm. it's a great equal. Of course, you know, if you're making a hat for Beyonce, you're really aware of the fact that it's going to be seen by millions and millions of people around the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're making a little hat for a client from around the corner to wear every day, but it's no less of a design challenge.
0: Excellent. Uh, if you could go back in time, to have a hat made by any milliner or header for yourself who would it be
1: any milliner well um i think the hat that i would really and i've never touched one i've never felt one in um the 1930s Borsellino the italian company made a felt called aerogram which was the lightest felt that they thought had ever been made and you know when you're wearing a hat all day you want something which is very light and comfortable and i would have loved to have had an aerogram felt hat made by borsellino from the nineteen, from about 1935 i think and that was when air travel was becoming like the most fashionable thing in the world
0: so lightweight became very important
1: it was sort of the the Yeah, an aerogram porcelain I felt would be the the iPhone 11 or the iPhone 12 of today.
0: Well, I'm certainly going to be looking those up after this interview. I've learned something new. What is your favourite hat from film, TV or theatre?
1: Well, I mean, I would have to say that it would be the hats from My Fair Lady. I mean, I think every milliner would say the same thing. Just because they're (laughs) wonderful and an extravagant expression and also the reason they are so wonderful because it was designed somebody who didn't know anything technically about hat making so they went they beaten just beaten the designer had no fear just he what he wanted to have the wonderful extravagance and that's why they look so good because they're designed without fear and without sort of thought of practicality in a way but that's what i'm saying um (laughs) And it's very interesting because I've researched quite a lot into it in the exhibition Hats and Anthology by Stephen Jones. I actually had some of the hats from that film in the exhibition, um, but they were made by quite a few different people. And Mr. John, who is a very famous New York milliner, and Madame Paulette, who is a very famous Parisian milliner, both claim to have worked on the film. I, from what I understand, uh, Mr. John made Audrey Hepburn's hats but it's yeah. all lost in the mist of time <laughs> and frankly who cares just look at marvel at the hats and see how they are at one with the silhouette.
0: It's definitely an all-time millinery classic for sure. Uh, what tips do you have for someone who is choosing a hat for themselves um, maybe for the first time?
1: Try everything on everything as many different things as possible so I mean, I would say, you know, go to a hat shop, or go to a department store, if they still exist after the nightmare that we're in. Um, But, or go to a milliner, because most people tend to think of a hat, if you're a guy, oh, well, it's a fedora, or it's a baseball cap, or it's a beanie. And if it's a girl, they think, oh, it's like not one of those frilly things with flowers on veiling and sitting all over it. No, it can be a million different things, and you just really need to go and experiment as much as possible um because you'd be surprised you have an idea of what will suit you but in reality what will suit you might be completely different because it won't go with your face shape it's a bit little bit like you know going into a hairdresser with a photograph of a 16 year old with like giant hair if you're 40 and you don't have Mm -hmm. such giant hair, you know, it's an impossible dream, but you will find something which is great Guaranteed.
0: Yeah, and it's often I think quite surprising uh, You know, not maybe out of your comfort zone is surprisingly the right thing sometimes and you don't know unless you try
1: Yeah, I mean people freak out when they have to put on a new pair of jeans (laughs) Let alone a hat and a hat is so visible I mean, I would say once you've got selected that hat, wear it around the house first, wear it at home, so you get used to it, so you get used to the weight and how it makes you look and you feel comfortable with it, and then you can launch yourself on your unsuspecting (laughs) product.
0: Excellent. So finally, for the headliners, um, could you finish this sentence for us? The joy of a hat is...
1: Refreshment to the soul. Because it not hat... Is not about how it looks not about how much money you spent on it or what you think people are going to think of you it hat is about how it makes you feel that's what is important about that not what it looks like if you feel like a million dollars or you feel more romantic or you feel happy that's its ultimate achievement
0: thank you so Congratulations on becoming the chairman of the recently reborn British Hat Guild. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the process of restarting the guild and and how that's been going?
1: Well, I'm so ancient. I was member of the old hat guild, <laughs> and I reimagined <laughs> myself as chairman of the young hat guild. No, it had been since it started since I started making hats forty years ago, and it was a wonderful. Uh, organization, based in Luton, really for big commercial hat makers. Um, we were, I was always very interested in, with it and with Carol Danford. Um, we talked about maybe it could start again and be some sort of friendly society for so many milliners up and down the country in the, in, in the UK. And also society put outreach to the rest of the world, which we can do because of the internet, that we can really be a national organization, whereas in the, in the sort of olden days, um, it was much, would have been much more complicated. I can't believe I use the word olden days, but that's the truth.
0: <laughs> well, a lot has changed in a short time, I think. Um, but yeah, I think the BHD is doing some great work so far, and we're excited to see what's in store. It's the new reincarnation is still in its early days, and um, there's lots, lots more to come.
1: Yeah, we have been trying to work it out for a couple of years now, because of certain technical aspects being called the British something, we have to have it registered with Companies House, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there's about 34 members, I think, at the moment, founding members, but then next year, um, we are opening it up to a wider group of people. And what's its purpose? Its purpose is for us really to sort of join together and eventually, you know, we will raise funds for different causes. Um, For example, at the moment, we're starting to make visors for the NHS, which is something which is organized by the Hat Guild, um, and other good works. But I think just at the moment, just the fact that we're there and we do get together and we have different subcommittees and the thing will evolve naturally. Are we going to change the world with a hat? You can bet on it, we will.
0: Absolutely. The BHG was due to have an event at London Hat Week uh, this week in April. Um, Unfortunately, that's had to be rescheduled because of all that's going on in the world right now. Um, And, you know, we're hoping definitely to that will still take place at the rescheduled London Hat Week in October, all being well. So uh, more details coming on that as soon as possible. This is such an unusual year with normal hat events not happening, um, Royal Ascot being run behind closed doors. During this time, uh, what what have you been working on? You just mentioned the visors for the NHS, which is brilliant. Um, Are you looking at new collections for later in the year or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I run a company, so I have to look after my staff and make sure that they're all okay. And you know, it's we're very lucky; almost everybody has been okay. A few people have had the virus, but generally, and um, they've come through it okay. We think we we know, and um, but that's my primary concern. But also, we have delivery, so people. We're manufacturers so people have been able to take work home with them and they're making hats at home i myself spend my days facetiming communicating with people around the world but actually funny enough on my work table now i have this little miniature head so i've been i'm showing you now and i've been making these little hat twirls for the next collection so this is normally what i travel with and i pin things to it um <laughs> And I've got some um, tarleton here, which I'm pinning on this little wooden head to try and come up with new ideas.
0: Excellent, well, I, th- I hope, well, we look forward to seeing, seeing all the amazing inspiration that comes out of having a little more time <laughs> to, to design. So Royal Ascot, it, it seems will be run behind closed doors, as we mentioned. Um, what do you think of that? And also the virtual CGI Grand National?
1: Um, well, I think it's not, absolutely confirmed exactly what they're going to do and i think they're making it up on a daily basis obviously there's a lot at stake there's the horses that need to be trained and run and continue that rhythm there's many many all the sponsors the financial side of it the betting all of that has got a big part of it but i think the you know the the chief executive and the marketing people of royal ascot will decide very close to the date, whether it's safe to run it or not, and I almost don't think they'll know in advance. And and you know, it's sad, but of course that's the way it has, has to be. Um, the the consequences of that is that for many milliners, especially in the UK, but around the world, millinery follows horse racing. So whether it's the Kentucky Derby, Royal Ascot, the Prix de Diane in Paris. Um, uh, Dubai or the Melbourne Cup. You know, this is really going to impact their businesses. Um, and, but in a way, we can't be sad about that. I think what we have mm-hmm. to do is celebrate the wonderful craft and art of what we do and our actual clients and things we need to put on hold. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can communicate by WhatsApp, by by teleconferencing and try and work out hats for next year, and some clients, of course, still want to order hats, um, but it's going to be very different. Mm. And of course, what we all have to be is very mutable and be able to change to follow mm. the situation uh, which is going on. But of course, the financial aspects are absolutely utmost in people's mind.
0: Yeah, definitely, it is is definitely a hard time on so many levels um but you know we just hope that when people can get out again next year um it's just going to be such a celebration and they're going to look forward to really making the most of being out and wearing the hats and and taking advantage of these events that maybe you know things that we've all taken for granted always happen that yeah yeah that we can enjoy them even more
1: and, and you know maybe that the, maybe the trend will be big brim so you can't get too close to each other I mean i think forget all those little hats we're in for like major hat moment remember we were talking about um cecil Beaton's my fair lady bring it on
0: (laughs) definitely i can definitely see that taking off and maybe a few visors in the mix i think uh Uh yeah well let's 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 go with it well stephen thank you so much for joining us it has been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always we appreciate you taking the time and um, look forward to seeing you as soon as possible, hopefully in October at, at the rescheduled London Hat Week. Yes, absolutely, Becky. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much for having me. And, um, you know, all us millennials should be wearing a hat every day.
0: So that was Stephen Jones, OBE with me, Becky Weaver of London Hat Week on Morley Radio. To find out more about London Hat Week, visit www.londonhatweek.com or follow at London Hat Week on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter.